welcome. My name is Johnny. I, I get the privilege of, of being on staff at Grace Church and, and leading the team here in Bogner. Um, it is a genuine privilege. And uh, um, just, we're going to be in, we're, we're in our series in Matthew. And so if you want to turn your Bible to Matthew 8, so we're going to be camped out this morning, Matthew 8 and Matthew 9. We're going to be looking at three, a trio of miracles today. And uh, before we do, I've got a question for you, as I often do. Uh, what words uh, could bring the biggest reaction in people? What words often bring a reaction in, in people that you know? It might be a person's name. So it could be a name of somebody, it could be the name Trump, or it could be, it could be Boris Johnson, I'm going both political ends here, just to clarify. Um, it, it could be a place, it could be hospital or, or dentist, you're like, oh, I don't want to go there, don't, don't want to be there. It could be a positive place, it could be Paris, it could be you went on a lovely honeymoon to Paris, it, it might be... It might be a team that you associate with. So it might be Liverpool, or it might be Man United. It, it could even be the word Marmite. Uh, there you go. I knew, I, knew, I knew that would be the biggest reaction of all the words. Um, but I, I would argue that there is. There's another word which often brings an uncomfortable reaction in people, whether we realise it or not. And I, and I think that word is authority. Authority. And... Uh, when we mention authority in our culture, uh, that word often brings an uncomfortable reaction. It often makes our skin crawl a little bit. It makes our minds go to abuses of authority, often, where we think of policemen with their knees on people's necks. We, we think of stern judges condemning innocent people to prison. We we think of dictators who answer to absolutely no one. We, we can think of more recently injustices in the postal system. There is, there is abuses of power, so it's no wonder. No wonder we, we wince. No wonder we're slightly suspicious of authority. So why, why bring that up? Why bring up this word this morning? Well, because the passage we're going to read in Matthew um, uh, 8 and 9 is all about authority. It's all about Christ's authority. It's mentioned right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which I just spoke about last week. Um, it, it's mentioned uh, it through, it, through the storm that we're going to read. It's mentioned with demons. It's mentioned over sin. It's mentioned over illness, over the natural and the supernatural world. And my prayer for you this morning is this, that the Holy Spirit will change your perspective on Christ's authority. That, that you would see why Christ's authority should not be associated with all those other things I've mentioned. That, that, you, that they, are, they are a poor, a dire. Even, even the best authority we see in this world is a poor reflection of the authority we see in Christ. And that, that, that you would see Christ's authority as the beauty that it is. That is my, my prayer for you this morning. So let's, let's dive into the passage. We're going to join the story in uh, chapter 8, where Jesus, um, he's 
uh, finished his Sermon on the Mount. He's gone and seen a few people and been very, very kind and caring to them. And now he's, he's pretty tired. And so he heads into a boat, and we're going to join him and his disciples with miracle number one uh, in a boat. Verse 23. Then he got into a boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed. What kind of man is this? It's a man with authority, isn't it? And, and so he co- it goes on. Even the winds and the waves obey him. And then it goes on to miracle number two, verse 28. When he arrived at the other side of the region, so he's gone on the boat, he's calmed the storm, got to the other side. When he arrived at the other side of the region of the uh, Gardeners, two demon-possessed men came from the tombs and met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into a herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs, they would have been really annoyed. They ran off, went into the town and reported all of this, including what's happened to the demon-possessed men. Just a side note, isn't it? It's like, oh yeah, this, they, they've destroyed all of our pigs. And, these, and you know those people that are like crazy in our town, right? They're, they're fine now. But the pigs, think of the pigs. Yes, that's them. Then the whole town what are they going to be going? They're going to be, don't worry about the pigs. Don't worry about the pigs. This guy sounds great. They went over to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded him to leave their region. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over. So he's left there, stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town, Capernaum. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. At this, some teachers of the law, who were really quite annoyed, said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Again, more authority of Jesus. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up. Take your mat home. Then the man got up and he went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and praised God. Remember the questions the disciples asked, who is this man? Again, who has given such authority to man? So we're going to look today at the authority of Jesus. We're going to see his authority and... um, these, these, these three miracles, they all point to Jesus' authority. They all point. So the rest of the morning, we're going to explore some aspects of Jesus' authority. We're going to ask some tricky questions. 
as we go, hopefully, um, about his authority and our own authority. And I want us to, by the end, see why Jesus' authority is the one that we need above anything else. So I'm going to pray for us. I know Kim prayed, but I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that, that we can read these three miracles and we can see who you, who you are what you're like. And I pray, God, that you will reveal to us in our hearts who you are, that we will see the beauty of your authority above anything else. We trust in you, O oh God. Reveal it. Holy Spirit, work in us. Challenge us. Change our hearts for your glory. Amen. So first things first uh, about Jesus' authority. Before we go anywhere else, I want you to know Jesus' authority should encourage our faith. It should encourage my faith. It should encourage your faith. In the first part of this passage, we see Jesus, he has authority over the natural world. He's got authority over all of that. And Matthew wants us as the reader and the readers at the time, he wants them to have their faith encouraged. So hopefully you'll be encouraged this morning. Um, we first join the story as, as Jesus and his disciples, they jump onto the boat and they're going to head across the water. And you know what? These disciples, they probably, would have, uh, they probably would have crossed this sea many, many times. They probably could do it with their eyes closed. So they, they're, 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 they're well trained in this. And it is likely that they would have sailed in a storm before. So they would very much likely have sailed across this very sea in a storm many, many times. But this is no ordinary storm. I want you to grasp that this isn't, the word storm sort of doesn't give it its real force. Okay, this, this word storm in verse 24, you, in, in Hebrew, you, um, you, would, you would associate that with earthquakes and shaking and hurricanes. This isn't, this is not just a little bit of wind blowing, a little bit of rain coming. This, this is hurricane-level storm. And so it then makes sense a lot more that you hear the disciples in 20, verse 25 say, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. They are not exaggerating here. There is, there is no exaggeration. They were genuinely going to die on that boat. And the usual teaching we hear from this passage is often something like when the winds of life come, just, just call on Jesus. He's going to help you. And that is true. Right? I'm not dim diminishing that. Right? That is true. But if we restrict Jesus' authority to being a genie who fixes problems and we ignore that he has authority over wind and waves and death, then, then when death comes near, we, we just don't know how to handle that. We don't know how to do that. We don't know how to deal with it. And so this morning, some of us may need to know that death is real. Death is real. We are not as young as we think we are. There's lots of figures. <laughs> um, death has a 100% success rate. It does. And this, I know this is like really morbid. People are like, this man alive. For this encouragement, come on. It's like morbid. But, but if we dig down, if we dig down into the truth, 
then, then we will see that if Jesus has authority, even over death, not just winds and waves of life, but death itself, it's one of the most beautiful truths we find in Jesus. If you are a Christian, are you aware that, that the world can throw all it has at you? You can be in a hurricane, likely going to die. Wind, waves, even death. But if you are on the boat with the one who has authority over it, what have I got to be afraid of? What have I got to be afraid of? Yeah, hear this. This is 1 Corinthians 15. Famous verse. Death has been swallowed up in victory. The boat is not swallowed up. Death is. Death is the one that has been swallowed up. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death. Notice it's got a sting. can still be painful. But, but the, death, the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But... Thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. We, if you are a Christian, you can stand firm. Who is on the boat with you? It's the one, it's the one who controls it. It's the one who's over it, who's defeated it. What an encouragement to you and I. It's not, oh, the winds and waves of life. No, no, death itself can throw itself at me, and I can stand firm. The hardest thing in life, and I can stand firm. It may be that in your life at the moment, you can really relate to the disciples. Save me. God, I need you. It may be you are in that place this morning. You've discovered a lump. You've, you've, you've heard some news from a friend. Stand firm. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Hear the encouragement found in Matthew and in Jesus' authority. Death doesn't need to, to mean that you collapse and you fall apart. But as 1 Corinthians says, we can stand firm because you are on the boat with the one who has authority over winds, waves, and even death. Maybe you, you struggle to trust or even believe that, that truth this morning. We're going to take communion later. I just, just encourage you to, to come to God. Come and come and see. Come and meet with him and, and, and just, just hear the beautiful truth that the worst thing in life, which is death, has been swallowed up in victory. What a beautiful truth. Jesus' authority is an encouragement to us. It grows our faith. Let it do that this morning. But also, Jesus' authority terrifies evil. It terrifies evil. Matthew moves from a natural storm, which is, which is blowing a boat about, to winds and waves now seeming to happen in a human being. Just in, um, in the second half of the, so in the second miracle, it says, when he arrived at the other side in the region uh, of Gadones, two demon-possessed men coming from tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. Not somewhere I want to go, thanks. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus. If you drive us out, send us into a herd of pigs, he said to them. Of the, of the three miracles this morning, this one is probably the eeriest 
of, of, of the three of them. Yeah, you've got, you got demons, you've got the pigs, you've got the exorcisms. It's all a bit, bit weird, a bit, bit eerie. And so as a result, what we do is when we deal with, with passages like this, we go from one to, to two extremes. One of them is we go too far into the, the spiritual side of things, so we say we're totally spiritual and we ignore the physical. Or we go the other way and we go, no, it's, it's all can be explained in science, totally physical and ignore the spiritual. So we can go to those two extremes because we don't really know how to, how to deal with it all. So we want to be biblical and, and the Bible seems clear that we are physical and we are spiritual, both and. and. And the other way, we are spiritual and physical. We're not one or the other. Sometimes this, no, no, we're both. And, and Matthew wants us, though, his point is not about whether we're spiritual or, or, or physical. His point is this. He wants us to marvel at Christ's authority over both. We've seen it over the natural world in, in the storm and we see it here in the supernatural. Matthew is painting a picture um, that this place Jesus has ventured into is not a safe place. Um, Godanez, I think that's how it's pronounced. I'm not, not very good with names. Uh, Godanez um, is, is not a nice-sounding place because it's famous for associating with the dead. It, it's famous for its tombs. And, and you hear this, this line of people appearing behind the tombs, from behind the tombs. It just sounds creepy, doesn't it? It sounds like those scenes from horror movies that you get. But I don't watch any, obviously. I'm a wimp anyway, I wouldn't. Um, but there, and then there's these two men. So these, these people that come from the tombs, they're so violent that people go, I'm not going that way. Like the townspeople don't go that way. Because they are so violent, no one could pass that way. I don't want to go there. Seriously, I, I reckon the disciples got there and went, you, you want to go here? You, you, sure, you sure you want to go here, Jesus? Like, is this really where you want to go? Enter Jesus. Right, enter Jesus. Verse 29. This is what the demons say to him. What do you want with us, son of God? Notice they get it right. They know who he is. They know who, who this guy is. And they shouted, have you come to torture us? My point is this. The evil spirits of this world are powerless when they encounter Jesus. They are begging. They are, they are begging Jesus. So often, we give Satan and evil more authority than we give Jesus. Just think of it in the, in the world. So in our world... Um, the, the film, this is not a film recommendation. Just, just need to caveat that. Uh, the Exorcist film, uh, hence the caveat. Um, the Christian priest, the guy who's gone to do the exorcism. What happened? He's thrown all over the room. He's thrown about. The, the, the guy who's full of Jesus is thrown all about. That's, that's not what we see here. This isn't what we see, that's not what Matthew or anywhere in the Bible says about God's authority over evil and Satan. But, but we think, oh, that's, not, that's a film though. That, no, we can do this with our fears when we read the Bible. We can read passages like 1 Peter 
The, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We, we need to be careful that Satan's on the prowl. He's causing suffering and chaos, which he is. But Peter is also, and we miss this, he's really clear that what Jesus has done on the cross has made him a toothless lion. And, and yet we, we, we give him more authority than we sometimes give Jesus. We need to imagine uh, Satan's authority in this way a little bit. Um, think of a, a, a mafia crew, like the, the worst mafia crew. Um, I was going to make another film reference, but I'm not going there. Scarface. Um, so they're, 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 in, they're in prison. They're on death row. This mafia crew is in prison, and they're on death row. What can the mafia crew do from prison? What can they do? Well, they can make phone calls. They can, make, they can make some phone calls. He might cause a bit of drama, making his phone calls to some people. Um, or he might do a bit of suffering here, a bit of suffering there. But that, that's, that's all he can do. That's all the mafia boss can do is, 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 is make phone calls. Who's got the keys? It's the, the prison guard's got the keys. Right? Who, who allows him to make the phone calls? The prison guard allows him to make the phone calls. Christ's authority is over him. He is the one with the keys. He is the one who says, yeah, you can make this phone call today. That, that, and I'm not, I'm not diminishing the suffering that, that Satan can cause. It can be painful. And, but whenever we feel that, whenever we experience that, when we feel like, oh, no, Satan's winning in my life, when we feel like the world around us is just becoming messier and messier and it's impossible to live as a Christian because just look, look at the mess that, that the world's getting itself into. Remember verse 31, the demons begged Jesus. They begged him. Evil, right? Satan and the demonic, they know, they know who holds all the cards. They know who holds all the keys. They know who, who says, oh, you can make the phone call. They, they know. That's why they're begging, oh, please put us in pigs. We, just don't, we don't want you to destroy us yet. Just let us go into some pigs. I've spoken a, a fair bit about how powerful Jesus' authority is over death and evil. However, um, I, I don't know about you, but, but Jesus' authority can be uncomfortable at times. It can, be, it can make us feel uncomfortable. The, the idea of the demonic can make us feel uncomfortable, but we, we, we can rely on, on Christ's work in that. But, but Matthew also references two groups of people who get really uncomfortable that Jesus has authority. Um, and they felt particularly uncomfortable for, for, re, for certain reasons. And, and so... One of them is the irreligious people of the town he has gone into. He goes into the town, he, he, he sorts out the demonic, and, uh, and then these, um, the, the people at the end, they pleaded with him to leave the region. And then, just a couple of verses later, in, in chapter 9, you've then got the religious superpower. So you've got the irreligious town, the people who, who don't know about God, who don't love God, and then you've got the people who do love God. People like super religious, and they say, this fellow is blaspheming. And so what, what made these two groups of people uncomfortable likely makes us feel uncomfortable. Makes us feel uncomfortable about Jesus' authority 
to, the teachers of the law, those who said that this fellow is, is blaspheming, they, they were probably threatened because Jesus' authority threatened the religious people's view of God and how he deals with people, how he deals with sin, how he deals with the world. And, and so what's, what's, their, what, what's their response is, is, is oh, this fellow is blaspheming. He's a liar. No, he can't, it can't be true. How often do we question what Jesus says about an area of our own life? Or, or it's similar as well in, with the townsfolk as well. It, it's fascinating that, that they've seen two deadly men who were totally violent. They've caused carnage over the years and they've become sane in a matter of seconds. They're annoyed. They want Jesus out of their town because their pig business um, is, is getting a bit, getting a bit of a beating. One commentator summarizes the, the religious people and the townsfolk like this. All down the ages, the world has been refusing Jesus because it prefers pigs. Just let that sink in for us. How often do we prefer pigs and the piggy things of this world over Jesus? How often are we like the townspeople? How often are we like the, the, the teachers of the law? How often do we say, no, I want my money to be mine. I want my sex life to be mine. I want my life to be mine and not be told how best to live as a human being. I'm... I'm I'm happy with how things are going. My life's comfortable. I'm, I'm okay. I'm all right, thanks. I don't need Jesus to come and mess up my nice, comfortable life. How much do we do that? I, I do it. I do it so often. Why is it? Why do we prefer the pig things of life over Jesus' authority? Just like... Both these sets of people, it's likely that we are threatened by Jesus' authority because we miss why we need it. Often we miss why we need Jesus' authority. I mentioned earlier that in our culture, we struggle with the word. We struggle with the, the theme of authority because we hear it so often abused we hear it manipulated, we hear it used for personal gain, and, and, and we don't want that, we don't need that. And I totally, totally agree. It's not authority I want. It's not authority that I need. But just for a moment, just suppose there was a different kind of authority. A different authority that makes the best authority in this world look really poor. An authority that's not based on armies, that isn't based on finance and how much money I've got and all of those, those two aspects backing me up. What, what if there was an authority with a strange, compelling power of freedom, a compelling power of, of, of love? And Well, this, this type of authority sounds a bit better. And this is the type of authority we see displayed in the final miracle in chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus is claiming there to be God. Only God himself can, can do this. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and, and go home. 
Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God. When we truly see Christ's authority at work, that is, that is our genuinely only response. A compassionate glance from Jesus towards the paralyzed man with his friends told Jesus all he needed to know. He saw, oh, this man is in a bad way. This man is struggling in life. Jesus doesn't just physically heal him, but he spiritually heals him too. Now this, this comes back to the point earlier about death. The main symptom is sin. Sin is the main symptom to all this. And I'm not saying that you and I get ill or, or suffering comes in this life because we've done bad things. It's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that the, the infectious nature of sin causes chaos in our world. It causes the sickness. It causes disease. It, the only remedy to it is sin. Yeah, the only remedy to sin as well is by... Uh, sorry. I've ju I just said the only remedy is sin, didn't I? Yeah, I was like, did I just say that? That's not true. The only remedy to sin is that we lie on our mat, that we lie on our mat and we humbly accept Jesus' authority over sin. Just as Jesus looks upon the paralyzed man who is unable to do anything about his issue, anything about his problem, Jesus in his authority looks compassionately on us. He, he, he sees us in our, in our lying in our stretchers, sick, not with paralysis, but sick with sin, and he offers us forgiveness. So often we are unaware of our paralysis, unaware of how unable to deal with the paralysis of sin and death, hence why we might fear death. So what, what we do is carry on with life. And, and what we do is we ignore the one who has authority and we try and handle it all by ourselves. I oh, know, I've got this. I can do this. Just look at verse 6. He said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. What's really interesting is that phrase, take your mat. Why? Why does he need to take his mat home? It doesn't, doesn't make sense. Oh, here's a souvenir. No, it, it, it's, a, it's not a souvenir. Yeah? It's a reminder. We, we, we think that the mats that we take home after Jesus saves us, we, we think of them as bad. We think of the scars of life as bad, but no, there are reminders of his grace. The mat is a reminder of his grace. Think about it. If you were that guy and you, and you took that mat home, what would it remind you of? What would it remind you of? You, you would be reminded of his grace. You would be reminded of that moment. You would remember the heart of the man who had the authority to do that. You would remember you didn't do it in your authority. You would, you would remember that it was God and God alone. What reminders of grace are there in your life? What scar, often it's the scars of life. 
that you look back and you go, that was painful, that was hard, but whoa, God, you carried me through that. What reminders of grace are there in your life? Remind yourself of them. Preparing for this morning, I, I really felt, when I, when I was reading this passage, I really felt God put this on my heart this morning. Get up, take your mat, and go home. I just, I just really felt God speak prophetically into, into my heart in that, and the, the, this phrase, get up, it's used three times in two sentences. So Matthew's going, this word's important. This is, this is the language he used when he talks about Jesus coming out of the grave. It's the same language. If I feel that there are people this morning who need to get up. You might need to get up. People who just need, to, for the first time, to turn to Jesus, to, to get up and, and take his hand. Take the one who has, who has taken all your sin and nailed it to a cross. Take his hand and let him pull you up and hug you and love you and care for you for the first time. It might be that you need to get up for the hundredth time. So often we, like to, we take our mat home and we go and lie on it again sometimes. People, there, are, there are people who are lying paralyzed and you just need to see the smile of God and the hand that lifts you up, and the compassion that says, get up, come with me. Is it time for you to get up this morning? She thought what Eilis brought during worship when she's mentioning souls awakening. I just, I just feel that this morning there are people who need their souls awakened by God. And then that phrase, take your mat. In a minute, we're going to take communion. When we take communion, it's a moment to observe your mat. Look at your mat. Look at your scars. Look at your reminders of grace. Remember your sin has been dealt with on the cross. Remember, we no longer need to fear sin and death because we are in the boat with Jesus. Observe your reminders of grace and, and maybe for the first time, enjoy them. Enjoy the reminders of your grace, of his grace. And then that last line, go home. Look forward expectantly to future glory. Remember, this world is not our forever home. But we have a greater home, which is to come. When Satan will be, no, he won't be able to make any more phone calls anymore. When, when the poor examples of authority, they will be overshadowed by the kind and gentle authority we see in God himself. When evil, sickness, death, sin, disease, they are just distant reminders of grace. If you are a Christian, remember you are homeward bound because Jesus' authority is what we need more than this life and anything else in it. 